chapter one. So what happens to love after the wedding? And I know many men and many women have asked this question and said, what is going, who is this person that I married? This person is hella different than the person I was dating. So during, uh, during the initial stages of marriage or a relationship, infatuation is sufficient to enable relationships to work. But over time, it is critical that we learn to express love to our partner uh, in the language of love that makes them feel loved. Hi, I'm Language Bro, and welcome to a book review for a better you. On this channel, I'll be reviewing some of my favorite books. Some may be in business, others may be in self-help, or others just may be general reading or just things that I find interesting. I'll do a chapter-by-chapter -chapter review, and at the end of the book, I'll do a summary on what the book meant to me. Obviously, this is not meant to be a definitive opinion or definitive review of the book. It's just my opinion and my take on what it meant. So if you're ready, come along and let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the latest episode of A Book Review for a Better You. I'm your host, Language Barrel, and today we'll be reviewing a book, which is a bit of a departure from the books that I have typically reviewed uh, on this channel, which usually tend to be about business, entrepreneurship, and about making money. This book, however, is a book about self-help and uh, wellness, and it actually is one of my favorite books. Uh, it's entitled The Five Love Languages, The Secret to Love That Lasts by Gary Chapman. Uh, this book was published by Northfield Publishing, uh, Chicago, Illinois, copyright 1973. And again, it's a book review by myself, Language Pro. So it's typical with book reviews on this channel. Uh, we'll do an intro, then we'll do a chapter by chapter review, followed with a summary of the book and what I took from the book or what I got out of the book. So if you're ready, Let's get it, get it, and get into it, starting with the introduction. So what is love? Does it mean the same thing to everyone? How do we express it, and how do we keep it? Uh, this book may attempt to explain the facets of partner love by explaining the different languages of love. Uh, is this true or just a myth? Come along for the journey, and we'll discover this together. Up first, we have chapter one. So what happens to love after the wedding? And I know many men and many women have asked this question and said, what is going, who is this person that I married? This person is hella different than the person I was dating. So during, uh, during the initial stages of marriage or a relationship, infatuation is sufficient to enable relationships to work. But over time, it is critical that we learn to express love to our partner uh, in the language of love that makes them feel loved. When this doesn't happen, we eventually fall out of love. So a couple of things I want to talk about with this first chapter, just uh, the language of love. See, most of us, uh, it was before I read this book, I didn't even know what this love language business was all about. So typically when we love, we love in the language that we want to receive love because that's certainly the only way we know. That's the language that we know. That's the love that we know is the love, the way that we want to receive love. So we assumed that, yeah, everybody loves this way or because that's the way I love and that's the way it makes me feel. So that's not the case. And in fact, um, uh, when this doesn't happen, when people don't get loved in the language that they, that they want to get love or they feel love in, uh, they, 
the author used this term fall out of love. I don't believe they fall out of love. I believe they just make a commitment not to love this person anymore. Because I believe, and this could be because my love language is act of service, that love is a commitment. Like you make a commitment to love somebody. You make a commitment to share your heart, to share your feelings. And when that person doesn't reciprocate or that person can't love you in the manner to which you feel you, you should be loved, then you make another commitment. And this commitment is you, you make a commitment to move on. Like I got to get the stepping uh, because this ain't, ain't working. And so you, whether you want to say you fall out of love or you want to say you've grown apart, all this starts with a decision and a commitment on your part, whether it's a commitment to leave or a commitment to stay, it's a conscious decision. So feelings may come and generally come after you make this commitment, but it's it's the commitment that leads you out the door or makes you stay. Chapter two, keeping the love tank filled. Uh, the most widely used and misused word in the English language is love. Child psychologists write that love is critical for the development of a normal, healthy child and yet, even as adults, we never grow out of this need for love because we're people and we're social animals. Generally speaking, most of us that are healthy, we don't want to live like hermits. Uh, that's just not the way most people are wired. So this author says, picture love as like a tank within each person. Uh, when we're unable to fill it with those closest to us, we go looking for it in other places with other people and in some cases other things. Yeah, and so if you're not getting the loving a home where you think you should get it, then you're gonna look outside the home, whether that's bars or clubs or strip clubs or whatever, and you're gonna look for it with other people, right? Somebody that you think makes you feel good. And the, the dangerous thing about this is when you find other people, now you're back in that infatuation phase again, which blinds you to all the other stuff. And then lastly, some people look at it with other things, and that could be drugs, alcohol, some activity could be you know, pornography, other things that you try to get it from or, you know, sex for sale. But it's only because you're not getting love the way you perceive love. Uh, you're not getting from it from the partner that you're involved in a relationship with. Uh, chapter three, falling in love. First comes the falling in love obsession phase where life has no meaning without your partner. It is difficult to impossible to see any flaws or bad habits in your new partner because that person is, per that person is perfect. And that person isn't, obviously we know intellectually that the person is not perfect, but the person may be perfect for you. If that person may kind of push the buttons uh, that nobody's pushed in you, and so you, it's hard for you to see the flaws in that person at that stage. Uh, some psychologists, psychiatrists believe that this phase uh, lasts approximately two years and is necessary for the survival of the species. So if we last beyond this period, we move into the loving phase. So. Generally, if you can get past that infatuation phase, you start to find other things that the person does that you generally generally like and generally care about. Uh, this is a conscious choice of offering the behavior and commitment which enables the best well-being and care to our partners. And behavior and commitment are important to me because, like I said before, I'm my love language is of acts of service. So it's the doing part of loving. And so generally... Uh, that involves behavior and, uh, and commitment. Chapter four, uh, love languages. Number one is words of affirmation. Uh, words have power, and for those with this love language, kind words can be critical to a healthy and wonderful relationship. And if you don't think words have power, I mean, there are words that are taken out of the English language because uh, they have power, like the N-word, for example. So words do have power. Uh, use your words to lift up, acknowledge, and motivate, not to cripple, belittle, or destroy. 
Affirming and encouraging words have the power to heal. So that, so in my words, be a doctor, not an undertaker. And I'll give you a, a very powerful example. This when my daughter was very young, uh, we're both my ex-wife and myself, or her mother and myself. Uh, we're not super achievers, but her her mom is, is like type A personality, and so we have had very high expectations for my daughter. And she was struggling both like academically with some self-motivation and, and just motivation in general. So we were kind of hard on her, you know, trying to encourage her. And um, we realized that you have to be careful with the, us- the words you're using because at, at, after a period of time, my daughter started taking on these words and, and kind of accepting them and embracing them. And these were not like lifting up words. And so they, they were made us feel terrible about it because we were thinking, oh my God, we're starting to program her in the opposite direction from what we really want from her. So we stopped really using these uh, non-encouraged, I don't want to say they were hateful words, but they were definitely not, they were counterproductive words. And so luckily for us, uh, words of affirmation were not her love language because uh, we could have done some pretty um, irreparable damage uh, had that been her language uh, of love. Um, so with the with the use of the book and some therapy and some counseling, we were able to move past that, and uh, we no longer uh, use those type of words with my daughter. Uh, chapter five, uh, love language number two is quality time. Uh, the focus here should be on the quality of time spent together, not the length of time together. The key point here is focus and attention. Uh, focus on your partner and give your undivided attention. That is the key right there, undivided. Uh, quality time may represent activity or conversation, but it usually will require sacrifice, empathy, uh, being totally present in the moment. And one of my uh, ex-partners, her thing was quality time. Her love language, or my love language was acts of service. So I would do these acts of service thinking that she was feeling love, but she wasn't really feeling love. She just felt, well, that, that's kind of your, your obligation as part of the relationship. And... Um, so when she would generally get some benefit out of the quality time, it would only be because the activity that I was doing, I was doing with her, not the activity itself. It's the fact that I was spending time with her um, that she actually felt love. So you got to really be careful about uh, what you think uh, your partner's language of love and the things that you think have value that you express as a part of your love that have value but may really have very little value to the person to which they're directed. Uh, chapter six, love language number three, receiving gifts. In most cultures, uh, gifting is viewed as one of the key fundamentals of love. Gifts can be purchased, found, made, or offered. Uh, the importance is not to the importance is not the value to you. It's not the value to the giver. It's the value to the recipient. Uh, worried about cost, the the gift of yourself, your time, your presence, and attention may be the cheapest and best gift you can ever present to your partner. And so here with this gift. Uh, you just got to be careful as a parent thinking that you're you're giving this gift as an act of love and their child may just view it as an act of your responsibility. So unless that's that person's specific love language, they're not going to view that uh, gift giving as, a, as an act of love. Uh, chapter 7, uh, love language number 4, acts of service. So again, this would be my love language. Uh, this is where you get the phrase, love is not what you say, it's what you do. Uh, and so for that person, yeah, love is about action. It's not about words of affirmation. Uh, so this is the physical action of performing a service, doing something for the person you love. The key point here is that it should be an actionable behavior that is important 
to the person to whom the actual behavior is directed. So if, the, if dishwashing, for example, is not viewed as important by the recipient, it will not be viewed as an act of love regardless of the perceived sacrifice. Chapter 8, uh, love language number 5, physical touch. Uh, touch can be a very important indicator of caring. In fact, most, uh, child, most child development experts agree that physical touch is, crucial, is a crucial element in the healthy childhood, childhood development. Touch may include such things as holding hands, kissing, embracing, or sexual intercourse. Obviously, this will not involve children because we're not talking about pedophilia here. All touch is not considered equal as it may represent different things to different individuals. Therefore, it is important that you speak with your partner to ensure that physical touch is given is appropriate and wanted. A couple things here. Physical touch, first of all, is my daughter's primary love language. And then second of all, most men, or a lot of men, and when you ask them what their, their, their love language is, they think it's physical touch because they like sexual intercourse. And the way you can determine if physical touch is your love language is because if you ask them, well, if you got all the sex you want, but if the person... Uh, be little Jew, or you said your penis was too small, so you were not a good love maker. Um, then how would you feel? Would would the sexual intercourse make you feel good? And generally speaking, most people acknowledge that it wouldn't. It wouldn't make them feel good. And love language should make you feel good. It should make you feel loved. And so typically, uh, men confuse the act with just like and have sexual intercourse with the act of of that being their love language. Uh, generally speaking, if if, you're, if your love language is, if your wife uh, gives you encouragement to say, oh, you know, you're a good provider, you know, you're a strong man, I feel protected around you. And if these words of affirmation make you feel good about yourself, then it could be possible that, you're, um, that your love language is probably words of affirmation. Uh, it doesn't mean that you don't like sex, but it, it just, a lot of men get confused thinking that physical touch is their love language just because they like sexual intercourse. And that's not always the case primary love language. So if you do not know your love language, uh, there's a simple test you can take to find out. So what does your partner do or fail to do that hurts the most? And so usually if it's something that your partner fails to do that hurts you the most, um, the opposite of that is your love language. So if she fails to acknowledge you and everything that you do, then you could be, could be affirmation, right? Uh, so Chapter, I mean, number two, question two. What does your partner request from, what do you request most from your partner? Uh, that's usually your love language. And, and again, we usually love, we express love in the way we want to be loved because that's how we know what the feeling of love is about, right? But it is different between different people. So usually whatever you're requesting the most from your partner, and then again with this whole sexual thing, right? Um, you may just like sex, but it may not be the sex, or you may like the physical touch of the sex. So maybe it's not the actual intercourse. Maybe it's the touching your shoulders, kissing. Um, so, and you may see this as a vehicle. You may see sex as a vehicle to get this, but the sexual intercourse may not be it. But usually whatever you request most from your partner, that could be a clue to your love language. How do you usually express love to your partner? This is typically how you want to receive it. And we talked very briefly about this, is that we we know how we we want to receive love. We know what love means to us, so that's how we generally express it. How we express love is generally our love language. So if your partner doesn't know her love language or his love language, then you can offer the same test to your partner to determine their love language. And I gotta say, it's not hard. It's not hard to determine someone's love language 
if you spend some time with them. You can, I mean, it's like 30 minutes you're gonna, or just talking to them, really talking to them, where you, you're removed from distractions. In 15 minutes or 30 minutes, you can figure out what their love language is. Um, chapter 10, love is a choice. We can choose to learn the love language of our partner and then choose to speak it. When there are actions or behaviors that our partner requires that are not normal or natural or comfortable for us, but we perform in any way, such as doing chores around the house, talking, hugging, kissing, encouraging, etc., but we do them anyway, then these are conscious acts of love. Then people generally speaking, unless they have some other cognitive issues going on or, or some behavioral issues going on, most people recognize when you sacrifice to give something to them that they want, they recognize that as an act of love. Uh, chapter 11, love makes the difference. The writer, the writer posits here that psychologists observe that most of our basic, uh, observe that uh, our most basic needs are for security, self-worth, and significance. Love, like honey, makes everything sweeter and smoother to, to digest. I mean, that, those are my words. Uh, can we feel secure with a partner that is threatening or dishonest? It's very difficult because trust is the cornerstone of love because vulnerability is so key and wrapped up in the love. So you have to be vulnerable when you love someone, and if you can't trust them, well, it's kind of hard to be vulnerable. So when it comes to self-worth, how do we feel about ourselves when we believe that we love the wrong person? Well, that's a whole other book. That's a whole other book about self-help when we love, uh, we love the wrong partner. So how significant do we feel when our partner doesn't offer the love that we need or, the, or desire, yet we stay? And again, when you are in a relationship where you know that the person can't love you the way you want to be loved and you decide to stay, um, yeah, that's tough. Yeah, because that people say that's got that could be some whole issues about yourself and um, you know how you how you interpret love and all this whole stuff like that. Uh, so we're gonna move on to chapter twelve. Unloving the unloving the unlovely. Can you love someone that does not express the love you desire? You have two choices. You can either leave or stay and fight. If you stay, you need to fight for the relationship. So if you stay, you will need to learn and practice your partner's love language in the hopes of filling their love tank. Is, the, is this a guarantee that this is going to work? No, it's never a guarantee. However, in my experience, it's very difficult for a person filled with love. Like if you're filling somebody's love tank, it's going to be hard for that person to continue to practice hate on you, right, on the person filling their love tank. There's an old saying that you don't generally bite the hand that feeds you. So even, I mean, even among un, like animals, you know, uh, who don't think a lot, generally they don't bite the hand that's feeding them. Uh, and we're supposed to be, as humans, um, at a much elevated, more elevated level. Uh, so chapter 13, children and love languages. So do children have love languages? Of course they do. They're like little miniature adults that will someday become adults. So when they're young, it's difficult to determine their love language, so it may be necessary to shower them with all five, a physical touch, words of affirmation, quality time, gifts, and acts of service. But as parents, we do that anyway. Like physical touch, we're hugging them, kissing them. Words of affirmation, we're encouraging them. Quality time, we're reading to them. Gifts, we're birthdays, holidays, acts of service. Uh, you know, we're cleaning their butt. And we're taking them to soccer games. I mean, yeah, generally as a parent, you do all these anyway. But as they mature, their love language will become much clearer. Uh, do not make the mistake like most parents are thinking that gifts will solve everything or that all your children have the same love language. One, 
not everybody's thing is gifts and people like gifts but if your love language is not gift you may treat it more like it's a, it's a requirement or responsibility of the person giving it to you than it's an act of love um, do children have the same love languages no children have different personalities attitudes they interpret the world different they they interpret experiences different so of course their love language is going to be different so it's unlikely that all your kids are going to have the same love language so i've learned after reading this book that we make many mistakes as parents loving our children but with a little effort um, that can all be changed for the better so chapter 14 a personal word so the author writes that as a marriage counselor this book was written specifically for married couples but the principles addressed in the book can apply to all personal relationships and i think all human relationships including family members children parents or friends uh, my final thoughts what are my final thoughts on this book so my take uh, whether you believe in the five languages of love or another philosophy of love, and the facts are that people feel, receive, express love differently. It's up to us, as people that, uh, that, that are loving them, to find out how they interpret and receive love so that we can facilitate it, uh, facilitate its expression to them. The Bible says that do unto others as you would have them do unto you. I don't take it in the literal sense. Um, I do, however, believe that I should love you in the way that you want to be loved and that you should do the same for me. And remember, when you continue to pour good things into yourself, eventually, with time and patience and perseverance, good things will pour out. Again, I'm Language Barrel. Thanks for stopping by. We'll catch you on the next episode. Ciao for now.